everyone, Ellie here. Just want to say sorry that we have some audio issues in this week's episode. Luckily, Chelsea always records a backup because my microphone didn't record at all. Uh, This will not be the case for next week. And thank you so much for sticking with us through some of the audio issues that we have as we iron out this process. We love you very much and enjoy the episode. Here it is. Welcome to what? It is part documentary, part comedy roundtable competition podcast, where a bunch of adults tell each other a book report of their choosing. Just something interesting, something fun. And we're glad that you're here. This is episode 39. We're really doing it, Chelsea. Powerful. <laughs> Very powerful. My name's Ellie Main. I am the host. And with me, as always, I have the delightful Chelsea Harfouche. Chelsea, how you living? Well, I drunk texted my city last night. But other than that... <laughs> Please say more. <laughs> we had like a little, you know, porch hang and a couple of Connor's boys, like the boys, came yeah. over. Uh-huh. Pounded some claw, brought out the tequila to pour into the claw. Yep, cocktails. And then... Somebody was telling a story, which was the funniest thing I've ever heard, which was that he said that he couldn't text me back the other day because he was in the desert. And then it turned out he was talking about going to Port Aransas. And like, similar to the way that Connor uses the term skirt and dress interchangeably when they're not the same, Nikki apparently uses beach and desert interchangeably when they're not the same. Definitely not the same thing. Definitely not the same. And so we, were, we gave him a lot of shit about it, about how he was not in the desert and he was at the beach. And he was like, okay. Uh, but he was talking about how he and his like lady friend had had like this nice sort of like social distance road trip trip yeah. that's been really fun. And I got very wistful. And then I decided that 1 a.m. was the right time to text my grandmother. Hey, are you coming here for Christmas? Because if not, I want to go on a road trip with Connor. She texted you back. She has not. Yeah. <laughs> Noon the next day, so. She has not. Well, yeah. uh, remember when we had my dad on and I passed my responsibility off to him to, to provide you with an entertaining topic? Mm-hmm. She is doing it again. <laughs> <laughs> this time with my sister, Jessie. Hello, it is I, Jessie. So yeah, sorry, Chelsea. I, in the interest of time, I have not come up with a topic this week. That's fine. Did you come up with five fast facts? I came up with one fact bang. Fact bang. Hit fact me, girl. Bang. I'm going to hit you with a fact bang. It hurt my brain when I was reading about this. But time goes faster the further away you are from the Earth's surface compared to the time on the surface of the Earth due to an effect known as gravitational time dilation that they have to program into all the satellites that orbit to do GPS because otherwise everything would be completely inaccurate because time actually moves differently where the satellites are. I hated that. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. I hate it too. Isn't that the plot of Interstellar? I believe that's part of it. Yeah, there is something that I, I, yeah, I don't like that whole, and there's something about aging that I think they also involve in Interstellar as well, where you're like, oh, if yeah. you, if time's going at a different rate, are you aging at a different rate? Horrible. Yeah. Don't like that. Don't like it. No, don't yeah. like time it feels like the only thing that should be completely constant. I don't like that it's, it's bendy. It's safe and secure and it should be yeah. the same. Yeah. Have you guys ever seen or, heard of a, a movie called Primer? Mm-mm. No. It's a movie about time travel, but it's like very, if time travel was real, this is what it would look like. But the part that freaks me out, like I don't I don't want to get into like explaining the whole thing because that could be like a whole wet topic in and of itself. But basically 
the way that it works is that whenever you time travel, you create a copy of yourself. And then by time traveling, you have to then destroy yourself. Oh, like a clone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like, so it's like the idea of like time traveling is not that you yourself as like one person are traveling like back and forth through time. It's that you can create another version of yourself at a different point in time, but then by doing that, you destroy the version of yourself. Serious question, Chelsea. If you met yourself, would you fuck yourself? Oh, 100%. I've thought about this for years. <laughs> and the answer is absolutely. No one knows I what I want more. You'd both be down for it as well. That's the that's the exciting oh, yeah. thing, isn't it? Is that it would be like, yeah. well, we know what's happening. Well, here. we're doing this. Can I just say that, um, just quickly, I'm kind of mad at you for not coming up with a topic because of the... You can. The, the panic. The, pa- the panic? Well, you know, this, the pressure of coming up with a good topic. I really was scared. And now I'm here. <laughs> Miles and, also gets very scared. And you got nothing. Yeah, which I find insane. Well, yeah. I thought only well, because I didn't want it to be like a two hour long episode because we, we get chatty. Well, let me let me see if I can put you at ease a little bit, Jesse. All right, all right, all right. Because I, without knowing exactly what you're going to talk about, I have been told that you are going to bring sort of like a medical type topic to the table, like a medical adjacent. Interestingly, I planned to do that and then went totally away from that, but somehow ended back at it, back <gasps> up at it. You came oh, real circle. I, I love to come real. I love a real circle. Mm-hmm. And then, so because I heard that, I was thinking, okay, well, Jesse's a nurse and I live in the US and all my friends work in media, which means that none of us have had good health insurance for like years. Correct. And so, how can I help? Like, not to brag, but I am like the friend that all of my friends will text me and be like, yeah. I can't go, afford to go to a doctor. Am I normal? What do you think this is? And then I'm like, that's your vulva and then i was like (laughs) okay well i just didn't know if that was also part of it hey chelsea just picture incoming i need you to tell me if i need to go to the hospital (laughs) so in a way it's kind of like we're both medical professionals jesse so you can just think of this as like a conversation between like two medical experts Mm -hmm. yeah i'll take it because i really only do minds you don't know about bones i actually do know i know about some bones <laughs> she's all mind no bones no bones i work in anorexia so people with anorexia generally have terrible bones so that's all oh, right that yeah so there's a lot of actual physical health i guess that's involved in anorexia care but i'm sure that you know more about physical health stuff than i do we can span the hell yeah shebang i, I sorry I love a, I love a TikTok and I interact on TikTok a lot and I've was noticed that you getting emotional about TikTok just then. <laughs> no, that was me fighting to uh, like not burp turn into a vomit. I think we all know. Okay, I thought that was cool. like a. Hold on a second. Hang on. I just, I TikTok. No, I, just I love, love TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> okay, but like there's like TikTok discourse that's going on right now because you know TikTok there's like a huge like teen audience right and like sure. a young person audience and so there's a discourse going on where people are talking about like body checking. Have you heard about this? Yep, yep. yep. Where it's like 
they they'll do the tiktok where they're like look how skinny i am and like how small my arm is and then a bunch of people who are like my age are like hey we did this shit in 2012 on tumblr and it didn't go well for any yeah. of us we really shouldn't do this does no end well <laughs> Super bad. yeah um and yeah, I just, I, it is sort of like sad to see like a whole new generation be like, you know, what would be fun is what if I challenged a bunch of strangers on the internet to see which one of us could be the skinniest. Jesse, the other fun thing that, that binds us is that um, I was talking about last night, like when, when I lived in Paris, uh, everybody thought my name was Jesse because they, they couldn't oh, say Chelsea Jessie. and it sounds like Jesse in France. Jessie. So they'd be oh, like, oh, Jesse. And I'm like, no. No. and they're like yeah. no, Jesse. well I don't ever get called Chelsea but I do work in Chelsea <gasps> oh my gosh so my topic is the me's in me the me's in me is it about personality? no Arr. oh that's where I was going as well <laughs> I'm, feel- I'm feeling um, like an infinity mirror situation just Endless Chelsea's. Mies is something that I don't know what it is. Like, maybe it's like bees. <laughs> in a the way. Bees in me. <laughs> yeah, did you know that everybody contains between five and 17,000 bees? <laughs> At any given time. Fact bang. 70% bees, 30% water. Mies <laughs> uh, in me. Mies in me. Yeah, I don't know. Is it something to do with the brain? Is it, it medically can. adjacent? It is medically adjacent. Mm. Interesting. I feel like we might have a vibe today with our topics. Yeah, we're vibe. We're melding. Yeah. See, now I'm glad that I didn't bring some of my normal bullshit. <laughs> you bring medical stuff sometimes. Yeah, you've, you've brought neurology in the past. I've been known, I've been known to be medical. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the in me is. I don't know. Is it is it about is it bees? Bees can come into play. <laughs> okay. Yes, oh. bees. I will. That. I'll say now. I'll give you ten points if you make if you <laughs> organically weave bees into your topic somehow. Oh, done. I'm gonna. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna also do it. Um, <laughs> my topic is called "Won't you tell me what it means?" Won't you tell me what it means? That sounds like some Mister Rogers. Yeah. <laughs> Or like one of those like real like parent like dramas, like the dramas that parents like, like, can you ever forgive me? Oh, yeah. Or, like, <laughs> or whatever it takes. It's like, won't you tell me what it means? It does very much sound like a show that my grandma would watch, but not enjoy, but continue to watch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> won't you tell me what it means? And it's so and we've confirmed it's not a BBC4 drama. Not so far. Okay. Is it about bees? <laughs> I'm going to weave bees in. <laughs> gonna make bees happen the great yeah. bee weaving episode <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is it brain there is brain there is brain but it is not brain in itself this there is some brain there's quite a lot of brain <laughs> so as i said i went kind of um full panic and sure. i <laughs> 
panicking about not having a good enough topic, as Chelsea calls it, and <laughs> anxiously googling unsung heroes because somehow I thought that might help me get to yes. where I needed to be. Because I was like, I need to talk about something interesting, but that no one's heard of. Ah, oh. but Love anyway, it. I eventually fell down this rabbit hole that started with honorology. O n e r. O n e i r. O n e i r. So Ellie, if I if I sing my title, Ellie, I think you'll get it. Okay. Won't you tell me what it means? Joseph ah, <laughs> and the Teddy Taylor's dream coat. Yes. Could it possibly be Benjamin? Yes, yes, yes. But <laughs> what? <laughs> what is the pharaoh talking about when he says, "Won't you tell me what it means"? Dreams. <gasps> study dreams. of dreams. The study of dreams. Great title. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> So, unlike in Joseph, and this is kind of why I was saying that it's a bit similar to what you were talking about, Chelsea, because the pharaoh is asking him to interpret his dream. But I'm not going to talk about dream interpretation. It Chelsea, can... have you seen Joseph in the Technicolor dream coat? Uh, I've seen the Prince of Egypt. That's the not thing. the same. And they're not the same, but <laughs> that Mariah Carey song slaps. Truth. It does. That's true. <laughs> So, yeah, so I'm not going to talk about dream interpretation, even though there is that is quite interesting, but it's basically kind of not um, it's not really like that scientifically backed up. Like yeah. Freud did a bunch of stuff about dream interpretation and then other scientists came along and said, like, that's bollocks. Um, yeah. So shut up about your mom, dude. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But she can't be that hot. And like, <laughs> yeah, so. That hot. <laughs> Sorry, just to go on. Honorology <laughs> is not that. It's the scientific study of dreaming. So it's kind of about the mechanism and about what like neural processes are going on when you're dreaming. And it was really yeah. interesting to me. Um, so I hope that no legit honorologists are listening because I might like properly butcher this, but I'll do my best. Um, like we always say we're not experts, we're just enthusiasts. Yeah, so I got very enthusiastic about it. Um, Hooray. So mechanism of dreaming very interesting is to do with something called synaptic efficacy refreshment which basically okay. means that the circuits in your brain that kind of deal with memory are like reinforcing mm. themselves so your <sighs> recent memories get reinforced and then your old memories get like rebolstered when you go into rem sleep and Crazy. dreaming is like a byproduct of that which which kind of makes sense right because we all have had those dreams where something's happened in the day and then you dream about mm -hmm. it that evening um mm -hmm. and yeah so that's because it's to do with this like reinforcing the circuit of that recent memory that's crazy so okay. dreaming generally happens during rem sleep and during non-rem sleep you do have some circuit reinforcement but it's usually about like facts and knowledge and kind of episodic things that are happening so it's not like something that is kind of needs the right hemisphere of your brain, okay. which is the creative side. Um, but REM sleep is when your emotional memories are bolstered. So generally speaking, like more emotional people will have more dreams um, and more creative people will have more dreams as well. So um, Domhoff and Schneider, for it is they. Yes, yes, um, <laughs> I will. Yes, they uh, define dreaming as a report of a memory of a cognitive experience that happens oh. under the circumstances that are usually created by sleep. Okay. So like the conditions and circumstances that are usually created by sleep. Yeah. So that's kind of why we dream, which I thought was 
kind of crazy. So it's like this yeah. thing about memory. And obviously we've all had kind of crazy dreams. So there are um, some kind of accepted things that happen that are like accepted bizarre things that happen in dreams. One of which is yeah. an interobject, which is basically when your brain takes one object and another object and just kind of like smushes them together. No. I definitely remember having dreams where I'm like, it wasn't that person's face. It was kind of somebody else's face, but I knew it was that person. And that's, yeah. Yeah, so that's because your brain has just kind of taken one thing and another thing and gone smushy smush, but, but you together. kind of understand what you mean. Which right. is quite, yeah. Yeah. But the, it can happen about objects as well. So you could, for example, take a bee and... Queen. <laughs> You could take, For example, yeah. a bee. You could take a bee or a swarm of bees and cross it over with, I don't know, like a an exhaust pipe body. and create a new object. Um, and cool. that would be called an bee pipe. Yeah. <laughs> bee, pipe. bee pipe. And that would be called an inter-object. So then an, okay. another thing that happens in dreaming is when you have authentic dreams. So like I say, when we have that recent memory, something that's happened in the day, and then we dream about that in, the, in at night, that's kind of called mm -hmm. an authentic dream. And so that's within the realm of your normal experience. And that's when your circuits are most reinforced as well as when you have those dreams so that's like really consolidating and yeah. reinforcing that memory that you have the day that I got laid off I had a dream that I went back to the office and because I hadn't received the email and everyone was like oh why yeah Ooh, this is awkward. so that's really interesting because if we think, <laughs> if we think about dreams as being emotional memories then that's because yeah. you're dreaming about the emotional impact that being laid off had on you Wow. Right. Oh, yeah. the humiliation. Yes. And, you know, relief and the rest of it. Feeling rejection. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then the other thing is illusory <laughs> dreams. And illusory dreams are where your memories are reinforced over and over and over again. And these old memories are bolstered over and over again. And they accumulate these errors as they telephone sure mm. they call it when synaptic efficacies are degraded and so naturally these dreams well what happens in those dreams sorry i should say is really like bizarre incongruent with reality just shit that doesn't happen so not something that your brain has taken and smushed together and not something within the realm of experience right. but just kind of like bizarre shit where you're like and then a, a field of ghosts right yeah. yeah, and these Whatever. are linked to delusionary disorders. So PTSD, obviously PTSD is a lot more than this, but one of the features of PTSD can be flashbacks. Um, flashbacks mm. have a very similar neuro process to dreaming. So mm. flashbacks are very similar to dreams. And the drugs that we give people to suppress flashbacks will also suppress dreaming function. Oh. When, you're, when you're talking about flashbacks, are you talking about like, like in a, a trauma response type yeah. thing? Like when you have a sort of like sudden, like flashback to like a traumatic or That's like it. intense event? Yeah. So, okay. Which kind of makes sense again with the, if we're talking about it being like an emotional foundation, then if you've got something like a traumatic experience is going to produce very, very strong emotions. Mm -hmm. And therefore that, that neuro process kind of makes sense that it would be similar. Um, right. So, and then schizophrenia. So, um, patients with schizophrenia tend to have a very kind of diff different relationship with dreaming. So, one of the things that I found is that they tend to report that their dreams are like not bizarre, but when they then describe them to external people, people are like, that shit is bizarre. So, <laughs> which is, is, you know, part of schizophrenia um, is that, you yeah. know, there's a bit of an incongruence between 
what they think is happening, what other people think is happening. Um, So the medication that we put people on for schizophrenia, generally speaking, it produces fewer nightmares, which is really nice because people with schizophrenia can have really, really horrible nightmares. And, you know, if the more that we can do to reduce that, that'd be great because nightmares are horrible. Mm -hmm. So little sidetrack just to talk about schizophrenia a second. I told you we came all the way back around to medical stuff. In real circle. So awareness about schizophrenia is getting better, but there are still people who tend to think that schizophrenia is synonymous with dissociative identity disorder or split personality. And it isn't that. Mm-hmm. So schizophrenia is a diagnosis given to someone presenting with a group of symptoms showing that someone's mind is split. So schizophrenia as a word literally means split mind, but it's split yeah. from reality. So the mind is split from reality. Mm -hmm. So for example, people with schizophrenia might believe things that aren't true. They sense things that aren't actually there and relevant to dreaming. They speak or communicate in a way which they feel is being really clear, but it's not because their mind is split from reality. Yeah. So Emil Kreplin. Emil Kreplin. Kreplin. Well, it could be Kreplin or Kreplin. I don't really know, but it's Kreplin. (laughs) He is considered a huge influencer in the field of psychiatry, but he had a lot to say about dream speech. Okay. Mm. He's doing dream speech stuff from like 1906. Um, Mm -hmm. And some of his handwritten records of his own dream speech and dream speech as like a field of study is still kept at the archive of the Max Planck Institute of Psychiatry in Munich. He had a big interest in the relationship of schizophrenia and the language issues associated with schizophrenia and dream speech, as well as dream speech in wider psychiatry. Um, mm-hmm. So he said that dream speech in every detail corresponds to schizophrenic speech disorder. Um, so uh, okay. the most frequent form of dream speech is a neologism, which is a new word, neologism, new word. Um, mm-hmm. I can't particularly remember a time that I invented a word but it could be that I have invented a word and I just don't remember. And I haven't, I haven't recognized it as a new word because you, when you invent a new word, really what you remember is what you meant to say. So, okay. yeah. um, but it's kind of a bit like the thing that I was talking about, an interobject, where you take one word and another word and like smush it together. Splice. Yeah. Um, Give them a little splice. So interestingly, in dream speech, what they have found is that a particular area of the brain called the Wernicke's area is firing, firing off. And the Wernicke's area deals with speech comprehension. But the Broca's area, which is dealing with speech production, Mm. has not got so much uh, activity. So what that leads to is proper grammar, but very, very little meaning. (laughs) 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 Oh, I do like that. (laughs) Which is actually what we see with people with schizophrenia as well, is that if if they're speaking in something that we call word salad, they just kind of, yeah. they talk in sentence, full sentences, but they're just using the wrong words. So we see these these distortions in, in schizophrenia as well. But as Mr. Kreplin found, it's difficult to study because the intended meaning is not clear. We only get the right what they actually said. Yeah, um, you can't yeah, work backwards. So, yeah, so what they're trying to express is actually unknown, which which must be so scary for people who are suffering in this way because you know quite apart from having delusions that no one believes uh, no one else believes and having hallucinations so seeing stuff there that's really scary that other people can't see they're desperately trying to communicate something to you and the other person is Mm -hmm. telling them that they're speaking complete gibberish 
Yeah, it's almost like locked-in syndrome. Yeah, one of the saddest things to me about schizophrenia, like in terms of it being like a, a, a disorder that you really do suffer from, contrary to sort of how you see in the media sometimes, it is scary. Yeah. Like that's that seems to be sort of like the unifying experience that it's something you, that you're hearing or seeing or, or understanding to be true that is uh, frightening and like anxiety inducing yeah. you i have met people in my training with schizophrenia who've actually seen had hallucinations that are quite pleasant and they're sort of like yeah they're, they're fine so there was one guy i remember him really clearly actually who had a hallucination of like a tall person in a pink hat and a short person who is green and they just <laughs> and that's fine yeah, and they just like follow him around in his day-to-day and it was like kind of sounds like characters from the mighty Rouge. yeah but i don't really want to dwell on kreplin for too long uh, partly because dream speech has been studied kind of more in depthly since then, but also because although he did some great things like speaking out against the barbaric treatment of asylum patients, yeah, go Kreplin, and kind of um, against capital punishment of asylum patients and stuff like that, he also got real into racial hygienics at the end Ooh. of his life. Oh, is exactly, yeah, exactly what it sounds like. So instead, let's talk about a little article in the British Medical Journal from Ivan Tyrell and Joe Griffin. They hypothesize that schizophrenia is actually the mind put through the filter of REM sleep reality seen through dreamscape oh which i just thought like kind of blew my mind a little bit so in rem sleep that right side of your brain which is in charge of metaphorical pattern making usurps the cold hard reality analysis part of the left brain and uh, all of the symptoms of schizophrenia can kind of be loosely explained by this happening so for example word salad like we said before which is kind of the metaphor side of the brain just going hell for leather without without consulting analysis right so they're like all of this stuff which just makes perfect sense and then the analysis side of the brain's like yeah it doesn't though just, yeah, I, was, I wasn't paying attention. Yeah, I didn't yeah. get anything yeah, with it. Right. <laughs> and then another really interesting one is catatonia. So we see catatonia happening in people with schizophrenia, which is when someone's <laughs> awake but can remain still for really long periods of time and seemingly without feeling pain. So like, you know, where we'd usually get cramp for a start they literally can try and stimulate pain in people they don't do that so much anymore because it's barbaric but they don't feel the pain is it mimics rem sleep so one of the things that people can do for surgery if people don't have great responses to anesthesia is hypnotize them into rem sleep and then they don't feel pain and they can go through surgery yeah i would i just wouldn't trust it (laughs) me neither i'm out yeah no thanks but yeah so catatonia is kind of similar in the rem sleep you're completely still and you don't feel pain Mm. but then hearing voices is really interesting so that's obviously a type of hallucination talking is usually produced by the left hemisphere of the brain but if they're in rem sleep the right hemisphere isn't really expecting any input from the left hemisphere So it interprets the thoughts that are happening on the left hemisphere as an alien thought. And so the the right side of the brain goes, that's an alien voice because there really shouldn't be anything happening. Awake and being awake usually does use some of the left side of the brain. If they were in like an REM sleep disorder, the right side of the brain would be like, uh, what? Where is that (laughs) coming from? That's wild. Which kind of also then relates to if somebody had like a paranoid delusion, Mm -hmm. the right side of the brain would be like, so that can't be coming from us. So it must be coming from the government. 
Yeah. Which is really common thing that we hear is the government's after me or like the Secret Service are after me. Yeah. But yeah, so schizophrenia could be an REM sleep disorder, um, a bit like sleep paralysis. Wouldn't it be wild if they just figured out a way of like, oh, well, actually now here's just something that you can take that will prevent your REM yeah. center Which- from... And it's kind of cool in a way because, um, like I said, schizophrenia literally means split mind. Yeah. And what these guys said is that if you have an REM sleep disorder, the left side and the right side of your brain have kind of split apart and they're not working together how they should. So yeah. it's literally a split brain. It's just split mind. Split mind, yeah. Yeah, that's my topic. That's awesome. Yeah, that works. <laughs> that works. Gosh, that would be an incredible, massive turning point in medical discovery if they're just be able to find a way to be like, oh, there you go. Yeah. And we're just going to go ahead and turn that off. It'd be like the last, like, seven minutes of every episode of House. <laughs> yeah. Where he's like, oh, it turns out it was just, like, this one hormone, and I'm going to give you one shot, and, like, you'll, you're fine now. now. Yeah. And also, I'm so mad. Ten points for beats. Five points for five way. points for the topic title because Joseph the Technicolor Dreamcoat. We have a bond there. I enjoyed that very much. Yeah, she was really pretty. Yeah, it was. Uh, but Thank I'll, you. But I'll take it. And then another four points for the rad connection, but potentially between schizophrenia and dreams. Thanks. Um, and then I'm going to take one point off because I can't lucid dream, and I've always wanted to. Well, and that's on me. Yeah, and that is now on you. 10 points for bees like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm racking up the points right now. Yes, for bees. And then five points for bringing in, again, like the medical expertise. I love how like seamless you weave that in and taught us some new things about schizophrenia, which was interesting. Minus one point because I, while you were talking, I was like, ooh, I wonder if she has read anything about fatal familial insomnia, but then I never got a chance to kind of bring that up. Oh. Uh, and that is, I didn't, and that is all I didn't do any Q and A's. <laughs> all right, you guys ready for the me's and me? Yeah, pop off. Yes. First off, what I need to know from you guys is, did CSI ever make it to the UK? Like, did you guys have like CSI London or did you have something oh. equivalent or did the original CSI make it over well, there? It, did, it, it has made it over. Uh, but we, you know, we love a crime drama in England. It's like our main export. Yeah, but your crime dramas are like, fi- I mean, and I love them. Don't get me wrong. Like a Bradchurch, you know, moment for me is great. <laughs> or like The Fall. But like all those shows are like, what if we like had like two seconds of like what the crime is about and then five minutes of David Tennant like staring at a wall and thinking about his dead wife? That's fair. I would say though <laughs> that we, we do have more equivalent ones than Broadchurch and, and the such as. Okay. Okay, cool. because, and like such uh, as and like such as because <laughs> um we have things like silent witness and and like such as which are more like ongoing they've had like four hundred thousand seasons and yeah um you might they might not have made it over <laughs> to the u.s we love a cold case unit we love a cold case unit. okay that sounds more on the space i guess like the question behind the question is that like starting in the early aughts America really had this, like, maybe not even a renaissance, like maybe just a naissance, like just a birth (laughs) of like this obsession with these kind of like uh, crime procedurals, focusing specifically on like certain kinds of like 
DNA or like science evidence. Like that's what CSI was always yeah. about. Like there was always forensics. You know, like a hair. Yeah, forensics. Thank you. That you could go in and like uh, it would be like the smoking gun or mm-hmm. whatever of everything. And now we have like whole channels. Like one of my personal favorites is that there's this channel Jesse in America called Oxygen. And for like the first like 20 years of my life, the Oxygen Network was television for women. And it was all like sleepy dramas and like a lot of two women holding mugs with both hands. Yeah, like women holding mugs with both hands, just like, oh. <laughs> um, and then somebody in the marketing department did some research and they were like, no, you know what women like? Women like murders. And they completely rebranded and it's still called Oxygen, but it's all true crime shit. I mean, they're not, all they're not wrong. Mm-hmm. And they're not wrong. And so they're just like, this is what women like. Women like murders. Why and this is what we like should murder? do. We have to be prepared. Yeah, but it's, I think it's that it's like, it feels like a realer threat. <laughs> and I don't know, it's just fascinating. And I was trying to talk to my boyfriend about this actually recently, and I felt like he didn't fully understand what I was saying, which is probably on me. I'm like a stupid woman, but like uh, <laughs> that is classic. As we move, as we move to a what I think is like a net better understanding of mental illness, which is like where everything is a spectrum, right? And it's like where you fall on a spectrum with all these different behaviors or feelings, yeah, or experiences and whether or not they affect your life. And like, that's how you put yourself on a spectrum with these different disorders. Is there going to be a point in which being a dick is, is it like a personality disorder that then, and then when we start to classify everything like that, is it going to create more empathy? There was a time not very long ago, as Mindhunter has shown us, where they were like, people in criminal justice really just were like, well, yeah, some people are just evil. Like some people are just evil and bad. Yeah, I mean, I, I genuinely struggle with it. I think that is part of my kind of practice as a mental health nurse is like struggling with it, with boxing people as like, only a prick or um or like even I don't particularly like the word murderer and I don't particularly like the word rapist either like it's like a label on someone I mean and I mean I I realize like there are probably worse labels to be fighting against in a lot of ways but um in my practice I just kind of don't like the idea that you could do a thing that yes is terrible 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 and then that is now your label for the rest of your life and maybe you know and maybe that is um people people definitely would say well that maybe that's just what they deserve because they did the thing and it's and that's part of your punishment is that you get now get labeled to be this thing forever but I don't know if that's really helpful in terms of like a rehab perspective which is really what we should be working towards in terms of criminal justice yeah um uh, incarceration right. and stuff. But so it's like easier for me to like advocate in those spaces where I'm like, well, yeah, like it's not normal to be violent. Like, so therefore, if you commit violence, then something has gone wrong in your brain and we should figure out what that is. But I, it doesn't extend to like, for example, Republican senators where I'm like, no, I just hate you and I think you're selfish. I think you're a bad person and I, I don't feel empathy for you. But then I'm like, okay, but is there what did happen to them to make them not care about other people? Like that, that's where I'm like, oh, it's actually harder for me to like apply the same model Mm. for things that are like a smaller level. Right, totally right there with you. I like that this, it's similar with um, capacity as well. So like one of the parts of our job is to work out whether somebody has capacity to make a particular decision or not. And part of the, Uh part of the capacity act is that people who are able to make the decision have a right to make it unwisely and that is like (laughs) so that people have a right to make an unwise decision 
And making an unwise decision doesn't necessarily mean that they don't have the capacity to make the decision. Oh, yeah, that's a lot. And you guys will never believe where this uh, topic is going to end up based <laughs> on how much time we've spent talking about this. But uh, I don't even remember why I got on this tangent. That's so fun. So, oh, it's because we were talking about like why women love murders. And I was like, well, the thing, the reason that like I love to like interact with true crime and I write a lot of like Ellie knows, like I write almost like uniformly, like crime drama type yeah. stuff is because I, I think my fascination with murderers and with like, or people who murder, so sorry, Jesse, <laughs> with people who murder is that, yeah, I cannot fathom committing that level of violence towards somebody. Yeah. So I'm, I, I am desperate to know how, why, why and how someone would do that. Like for what reason? So the reason I brought up CSI is because that is where I first learned about this specific thing because CSI is not necessarily the greatest example of all these things. Like, especially now that we have kind of like, I'm going to say true, like with quotation marks around it, you know, obviously anything that's like packaged for television has been sort of modified yeah. in some way. But CSI definitely was like, the focus was not necessarily on the science. It was on like sort of the fantastical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there was this one episode where there was a guy, it was about, I think a rape murder. And there was a guy and they had DNA evidence because like they always did because it was CSI. And they brought in this guy that they thought had done it. Uh, but then they tested his DNA and it didn't match. They were like, it wasn't him. But like Grissom, the main guy with like the sunglasses was like, I just know. I just know it's him. I was the dad in fear. And I know when somebody's a rapist. And like, and so when, anyway, they finally brought him back. And the reveal was that he had two sets of DNA in his body. So one that was in his blood and a different one that was in his semen Mm. because he was a genetic chimera. And I was like, is that real? And it is. And we're going to talk about it. So like, yes, they're, there are people who have multiple sets of DNA in their body, which from a purely science point of view means that you're like essentially like two different organisms in one body. You, you talked is- about this when I did my topic about Terebus because one of yes, his, yeah, one of his right. siblings was is a is the chimera the chimera that's where the name comes from and i think if i'm not mistaken i think that was one of the times where i was like this could be a what topic yes, and it might be the only time we've come back to <laughs> i'm actually doing it that was well that was my thing is i was like oh what's my topic going to be this week and then i was like what is something that i've said i was going to do on the show and not done yet and then i was like i feel like i've talked about chimerism and so i'm so glad that you were able to make like that connection. Yeah, I have been totally fascinated by this idea because I, I, you know, I don't think that like the soul or the consciousness and DNA are the same thing, but there is something unnerving in a purely um, emotional way about the idea of like two organisms, quote unquote, like Mm. existing in the same body, even though it's actually, although it's very uncommon in humans and it doesn't work exactly like it did in that CSI episode, (laughs) um, it, it, it is way more common in other parts of the natural world. So like one of the best examples is um, plants. Like if you've ever seen like a double colored rose mm-hmm. or flower, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a chimera rose. I think like even like crossbreeding sometimes can like yeah. create chimeras. Yeah. Another one is like, there's, I think there's at least two different like famous Instagram cats where they have like a half and half. Oh yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. That's oh, a genetic. That's chimera. where I've heard the word before. Cause when people have two irises that are different colors, they call it chimera, don't they? Yes. Heterochromia is a, is a good example as well. And I, I believe that genetic chimerism is more 
common in animals like cats because female cats will be inseminated by multiple boy cats. Oof. I think that's the technical term for a little boy they just cat. Have, they just and have real time. <laughs> they just have real time. It's real unpleasant. Hey, that's not <laughs> shame cats. Um, have you ever seen a cat have sex? <laughs> no. It's not great. No, I'm, I'm, I have not. No. Most chimeras go through life and they, it never comes up. It usually only comes up when you're trying to like uh, in conversation <laughs> follow yeah no we're trying to follow parentage yeah. or there was a recent example where there's um a singer named taylor mull she had this birthmark on her torso her whole life or what she thought was a birthmark because her torso if you look at a photo of it is two different colors on either side so she thought that she just had this giant birthmark um and then she finally i guess partially because like she became famous no. if you look it up it's wild it looks almost like a tan line oh, no. um, it's like straight down the middle and it, it's straight down the middle it bisects her torso and it's her torso only so it stops above her like breastbone okay. and her legs aren't like that either because she's posted f- photos of herself in like a bikini so you can see it so yeah she thought it was a giant like port wine stain yeah, yeah. but it's not she did they did genetic testing it's entirely different dna from the rest of her body so what they think happened in this is this is the most common way i believe that humans have genetic chimerism is when you eat your twin (gasps) if you have a a fraternal twin that dies in utero then typically the other fetus will absorb that fetus and if it's a fraternal twin and they have different dna then you'll have that twin's dna that actually in, in nearly happened body. to me. I, I was a fraternal twin and I kicked my other twin out. And you're like, get out. Yeah. And you yeet the fetus. <laughs> if you had eated instead of yeeted, then you might have. <laughs> oh, very good. <laughs> oh, I loved it. I loved it. Spat out my mimosa. <laughs> Can we get your mom on next so that she can talk about that experience? Because <laughs> that sounds rough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, now I feel like a dick for uh, my eated, eated joke, but. <laughs> it was perfect. <laughs> Don't change anything. No. So, yeah, so g- human genetic chimerism is pretty rare we think i mean the thing is is again like there's just so few instances that it would ever come up especially like there's very few times in which you even get like your dna like analyzed right Mm -hmm. so i mean it's come up sometimes for people who have two different blood types that can happen and that's like a that's a big problem if you have if you need like a blood transfusion and you have two different blood types because again without getting super deep into it because it could be its own thing blood types are about the markers in your blood that say what you can and can't receive or what you can and can't give. Right. So like, for example, if you have a blood, it's because you have a markers. So you need blood that also has a markers. And if you have B blood, then you have B markers. So you need blood that has B markers. So you can imagine that if they thought you had blood type A, cause they took it from one place and then they gave you a bunch of A blood, but you had B blood somewhere, they're going to fight. Oof. It's gonna be bait. Nasty. Wow. Um, like then, does, like, does the body learn to just deal with the fact that it, there's two going on? Yeah, they just sort of like exist 
in and of themselves. I mean, so another way that like chimerism can manifest that is more noticeable is um, there are some instances of people who are intersex mm-hmm. and that, that came from chimerism. Oh. So like the distinction here is that not all people who are intersex are chimeras, sure. but sometimes chim- chimerism can manifest as intersex because then you end up having both Y and X. Like you might present as a woman, usually have mostly XX chromosomes, but you might also have Y chromosomes in your body somewhere. Yeah. So mm-hmm. technically that would make you like an XXY, which is a type of intersex, but it's coming from this extra amount of DNA and not specifically that all of your DNA is XXY, which is a different kind of intersex. I see. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So another really famous example, uh, most of the examples are famous because there's, I was gonna say there's less than like a hundred like confirmed cases of human chimerism because, but they think there's probably a lot more. It just like never comes up. Mm -hmm. But one case was this woman named Lydia Fairchild. And the reason that she found out that she had two distinct types of DNA in her body was when she went through a paternity issue with her child. This is wild. I just want to make sure like I get this right. So basically she had had three children with this man, Jamie Townsend, and then they separated. And then she filed for child support, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And so part of getting the child support because he, he contested it was that they had to provide, she had to provide DNA evidence that those children were all his right uh and so now imagine what this would be like she so she was like yeah no i know that they're all his he's the only person i was with i'll prove it i'll get a dna test <laughs> so you're on maury they weren't on maury but just imagine you're on maury and <laughs> maury comes out and he's like jamie townsend you are the father and then she's like oh i knew it and then he's like but lydia fairchild you are not the mother and she was like um what now <laughs> excuse me and they were like remember yeah she was like i was there and even uh, even her estranged husband was like yeah i was there too like what are you talking about and then they're like dna doesn't lie the dna says that she is not related to any of these children and it was a whole fucking thing she was charged with fraud like for like defrauding the government that she was doing some weird like child surrogacy scam say like charged with like stealing babies (laughs) or yeah they they thought that like maybe she had stolen these children they were trying to oh and also so like i said she was pregnant with her third child when all this happened which means that she was doing this to make sure that like her upcoming child would have child support and so she was pregnant at this time so they went so far as to uh the judge who well in her case ordered that somebody be present at the birth and take blood samples at that exact time of both the newborn baby and her to ensure that like they didn't swap these babies because like they were they were like we don't know how you're doing it but you're swapping babies out and you're fooling everybody and then just by luck and skill her defense attorney learned that chimerism is a thing well i guess trying to re- research like how this could be possible right and so then they took dna from the mother's mother so what would be the grandmother right. of the child and then they found that those were common and related so they were like somehow you're not the mother but your mother is the grandmother of this child 
so then they started taking DNA samples from different parts of her body and they found that her skin and her hair also did not match the children, but then they did a cervical smear and her cervical cells did match the children. So that is how that she found out that she's that a she, chimera. That she's a chimera. But wouldn't that be terrifying? Wow. For like be like, did like, I invent three pregnancies? <laughs> Yeah, did, have I been stealing babies and then immediately forgetting? <laughs> like, I mean, I think that's like, yeah, it's like a, a case of like her body gaslighting her. So confusing. <laughs> Very confusing. There is, so yeah, so luckily that will probably not happen to you. <laughs> it's very uncommon, but there is a version that is incredibly common. And this is something I did learn while studying this topic and uh, it's wild. Yeah. Which is that they have found that chimerism happens during pregnancy. And then now, as they've done studies, they actually think it happens in every pregnancy, every human pregnancy, which was the wild part, which is that um, the mother absorbs the cells of the fetus into her body during pregnancy. And it's usually just like limited. And it uh, they, I guess, like absorb or like resolve over time because you know your dna yeah. constantly turns over so they don't become a permanent or they usually don't become a permanent part of the mother's body just like over time like they degrade and they don't get replicated but they did a study with 30 women who either died while they were pregnant or died in childbirth mm-hmm. so they had like basically like the like 30 pregnant women that they could do the study on um and they all were carrying sons and so they did this uh they kind of cut them open and they looked in all of their different organs and every single one of these women had y chromosome dna in all of their organs at the time of their death and so they were like well it had to come from their son yeah so so while yeah so like while being a true human chimera is really uncommon um chimerism does happen it seems in every human pregnancy so like a little bit of you yeah a little bit of you was floating around in your mom for like the whole of her pregnancy and a little bit afterwards that's insane yeah crazy crazy and then the last thing that i'll say is that um because people are the worst uh you know science is uh trying to create human animal chimeras which i'm like stop like i don't even know what the i don't even know why like people people dogs like people yeah human people like um so if you haven't this is my this is my great opportunity to tell you if you haven't seen the movie splice you should absolutely see the movie splice not because it is good because it is so fucking bad and it's like it was part of like adrian brody's like downward spiral I know. Uh, Horrible fucking movie with Adrian Brody where he and his wife are like hotshot scientists because like, they're like rock star scientists because like that's a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they are trying to make human-animal hybrids uh, and make one and she's like, but she's like too sexy and she's got like <laughs> spooky little eyes and she's got a stinger tail kind of like, like, a, like a barbed insect, like a bee. Oh. And so she has this little stinger tail that she'll sting people with and like whip them. And uh, like a bee, huh? Like a bee, huh? And uh, yes, she's a little stinger and she's got like little wings. Uh, She flies around and she. She's too um, sexy. And she's too sexy. And Adrian Brody is like, You are my child because they use their like 
uh, the female scientist uses her own like egg to create this thing. Be like five minutes. Jesus Christ, Miles! <laughs> so many gifts. Miles is back with another gift. It's a French toast uh, gift. With another offering. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, no, he it it goes some really gross places. But that was an example of them trying to create a human animal hybrid. And I was like, okay, but that was a movie, right? Like we're not really gonna do that. And it turns out they super are and they already did. And I don't know how this like uh didn't enter our radar, but in 2017 they made a human pig. No. They did. And I to which I'm like, don't, but they did. Uh so they've made they've made um, about 20 either human pig or human sheep embryos. Um, they couldn't bring it to term. Good. And <laughs> for the best. Oh, I don't want, they, a, I they, want hooves in my, in my hooves? uterus. <laughs> oh, little hooves? I know! But here, <laughs> here's like, they kind of buried the lead when I was reading about this because yes, in 2017, they were actually able, I believe, to bring one of these to term. I don't know what happened to it after that. I don't think it. I don't think it went well. But they did make the whole thing. Here's something from the Independent, which I know is one of y'all's. It was oh, they terminated it because like basically like they brought it to term, so like they could have it could have been born, but I think then they got scared, <laughs> so they terminated it before it could be born uh, because I think even they were like oh probably shouldn't yeah, right babies with herbs shouldn't be probably shouldn't but anyway they did bury the lead because then when i read more into it it was a human pig hybrid but it was only 0.001 percent of the dna came from human oh okay so still still very nasty yeah still very good so it's like so they were like gosh we're we're just we're about to beat this thing to which i'm like they're probably i mean if i'm gonna be fair there has to be a reason why they want to do it Right, like a actual scientific. Yeah, like there might be a um, something that they can figure out. Maybe there is a trait in an animal that would make a human embryo more resilient to certain types of testing that yeah. they that do to like cure a disease for humans. Like I do think that probably the point is not to create animal people <laughs> at least i hope not but i don't know it spooks me out I, if you guys saw sorry to bother you there's some like human animal people in that and i found it very upsetting yeah. also the entire concept of the movie task oh. i just don't like it. if you google human animal chimera you find this really spooky little piece of like little sculpture that's, that uh, that someone made that's like a dog person feeding its little babies very disgusting oh i think i've seen that i've seen that very nasty i'm not gonna make that up i'm gonna be honest yeah fair enough fair enough (laughs) (laughs) that's not where i'm that's not where i'm at this evening it's the evening for me and i'm just not there i'm just not about to do that to myself so that is what we know about chimeras so i guess the big takeaway is that uh if you if you might have had a twin, um, or if you have like a big old birthmark that you always thought was a birthmark, it might actually be a whole other living organism. Yeah, that shit is insane. Yeah. And if somebody oh. tells you that you're not the mother, then uh, you do have recourses. So. <laughs> There's things you can do. <laughs> There's things you can look at and do. So that that's the down low on chimerism. Wow. Ten points for bees. Yeah, straight up. 
I did um I did send you a bee article, a chimeric bee article in the chat there. A barticle? A barticle. <laughs> if you will. Um chimeric bee. Yeah. I'm gonna give you five points, five more points because I had no idea that it was even a thing. Blew my mind. Five points for bringing a what topic back for the first time ever. <gasps> yes. Um, but I'm going to take away four points because of that scary dog sculpture. That you looked at? That I looked That's, at. Would it change your mind if I told you that while doing that topic, uh, my city finally texted me back? <gasps> yes. <laughs> Plus two points. <sighs> yes. Plus two points for city. Uh, what did she say? Uh, she said, sorry, I'm late answering. <laughs> Well, you should be sorry. Uh, yeah, and I was like, "Wow, city!" <laughs> Every you can text me back at one a.m. Um, unbelievable. Um, Chelsea, I'm going to give you ten points for bees. Yes, yes. I'm going to give you uh, seven points because I also did not know a lot about Chimera, but I'd seen the word and I thought I should learn about that, and then I never did, and then you told me. So, and now we're here. And now we're here. Now. Yeah, and I'm going to give you another three points um, because um, it freaked me out. And I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. and especially that, that lady with the half torso, that was actually the the problem for yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> the problem oh, moment you, for me. Did you look at Apple? I was talking. I, I, send you yeah, send me a photo. Um, but I'll give you points because I, it moved me, even though it was mm. a you know, negative experience. Huh, <laughs> at that point. Who knows? Maybe I'll have an emotional dream about it tonight. I was literally um, about to say that. Oh, you yeah, well, stole I'll it from me. I'll sound sank. Real circle. Yeah. And um, I'm going to take a point off because of hooves in the womb. Yeah. Hooves. Yeah. The hooves in the womb are not great. Womb hooves. Yeah. Womb hooves, I'm not in. Well, that's our right. show, ladies and gents. Oh. L- lords and ladies, if you will. Oh, no. I won't. Uh, I will not. Chelsea, where can people find you? People can find me all over that gosh dang internet. <laughs> At Chelsea Harfouche. And Jesse, would you like to be found? Um, I don't think so. I, no. I, I mean, it's quite easy to find me. It's just Jesse Main on Instagram. But I think I might delete Instagram. So you can find me if you want, but I might not maybe, be there for long. Maybe a fruitless task. Yeah. Find her while you can. Yeah, yeah exactly. There you go. <laughs> for a limited time only. I mean, I say that now, but, you know, I... She had a real cute wedding. done it, yeah. Very cute wedding. Yeah, yeah. Very true. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, here she is. The half and half lady. I'm... There she is. You can find me at Ellie Main on Instagram or Ellie Maney on Twitter. And you can find this podcast at WhatPod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Redbubble, Patreon. And I think that's it. And then you can find our website at thosetwogirls.club if you want to say hey or just, uh, I don't know, just check it out if you feel like it. And they said we got a very sweet message on the website. Really? I think like last week. Yeah, it was awesome. So they just wrote in to say, you know, they liked the show and that, like what their like, you know, favorite things were. That's and so I sweet. That was awesome. It was very sweet. It was exactly what I needed in a very stressful week. We, we all appreciate those messages very much. And we appreciate you for listening. And this week, I don't know, maybe go learn something. Yeah. And you know what? Keep it loose. Keep it tight. Say your prayers at night. Especially Jesse, because it looks like it's night night time. It is night night time. Thank you so much, Jesse. Oh, thanks thanks for having me. I really, I really liked it. Good.